seeing that just with your horse and knowing that like, you've just climbed 2,000 feet in a couple miles and now you're at 9,000 and something feet and you're like, oh, hey, this is this is breathtaking. And I'm, I just did this with a horse. This is spectacular. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. Hey, folks. We're going to jump right into it today. It's been a crazy week already over here at my house, so we're going to do a revisited episode today. This is from 2016. It's almost four years old, and uh, it's about endurance horse racing, which sounds incredible. It's something I'm definitely interested in trying out at some point, Um, just like an ultra marathon on a horse, essentially. And so this one sounds awesome. Like I said, this was from a few years ago, and Travis did this one uh, way back in the day. So hope you enjoy, and uh, we will be coming at you with a brand new Adventure Sports Podcast episode on Monday. But for now, enjoy this one that a lot of you probably have never heard. So, all right, have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you Monday. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is Travis. Since 1955, horseback riders have been taking part in an event called the Tevis Cup. This 24-hour endurance race starts in Lake Tahoe, California, and ends in Auburn, 100 miles to the west. Breast cancer survivor Laura Werub recently took on this grueling challenge in the race's 61st year with her trusty steed, Merlin. Laura, welcome to the show. Hello! Welcome. We have to tell everybody that you are connected to our good buddy, Brian Snyder. He's the, the teacher and writer that comes on and talks about his crazy adventures through the through the mountains, right? Yep, I am. He is my sweetie pie and I guess better half or I guess he's the he's the the up of the of the relationship. And I'm more of the forward, I guess, <laughs> with our with our different adventures. Yeah, that's funny. Well, so how do you guys know each other? Where did you guys get met before we get started on uh, on your adventures? Um, we met through an art collective in Santa Barbara called Fishbone. And I had been a performer and fire dancer with them um, first. I was actually in the program first. And then I actually got a job with a group named Bamboo DNA. And I went and worked in Portugal for three months building art sculptures out of bamboo and when I came back Brian was there and he was in a play and the both of us ended up in a Christmas play and that's how we met (laughs) that's awesome that sounds exactly like somebody Brian would meet up with and take to (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's talk equestrian we've never had a horseback rider on the show and when I found out about this Tevis Cup that you did um, I thought I was pretty intrigued because I am not a horseback rider I've gone I think technically twice in my life once I was just a little kid they put me on the back and you know pulled the rope around for a little while but uh, last summer I took my daughter up for the first time she absolutely loves horses and I took her riding and it was my first real experience being on the back of a horse and I had no idea that horses were so responsive to 
to your input as the as the rider. So how did you get started in horses? I know that you didn't start out as a little girl yourself, right? No, um, I was actually like anti-horse when I was a little girl. Um, I had all the friends that loved horses when we were little, and I actually tried tried liking horses and for the benefit of them, um, where I would go to the barn and help brush out horses. But every time I got around them, uh, they would either try to bite me, kick me, squish me, or step <laughs> on me. And so I developed a very like I love them from on the other side of the fence. They were pretty, and I you know ever. I loved Mustangs and Black Beauty, but I was great not ever needing to touch one. Um, so you would think that I would never get into horses, but four years ago, I met a horse named Merlin, which is, his, actually his name was Lighthouse when we met him, and the girl who had bought him renamed him Merlin because she had high hopes that he would get younger like the Merlin in a story she just read. And he did. And the two of us just kind of started by I walk, I would walk with him or I'd give him an apple and a carrot. And then um, after about two months of that, and she realized that he was a little bit too much for her to take care of when she told me that she was going to give him back to the lady that she bought him from. I was like, no, 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 I will keep I will keep that horse and he will be my friend. And then I think all my friends back east flipped a few times and going, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like Laura, so, the one that doesn't like horses, all of a sudden she's yeah. a horse owner. What's up with that? A horse, not even just a horse owner, but then a horse owner, then long distance horse owner would do endurance miles and started doing crazy 25 mile rides and then 50 mile rides and then would in a weekend do 125 mile rides or, you know, try to get 200 miles in a weekend. So, yeah, to Tevis, to 100 miles in one day. Man, you guys have gone far <laughs> together. So had but you, yeah. your previous experience, like you said, was just, it wasn't so great. So you had never really ridden not, ridden them? I mean, no, you, didn't, you didn't take nope. to them because they're trying to squish you and stomp you, but. No, I, well, I, she, so um, she, my friend put me on the back of him and we didn't have a saddle for him. So I actually rode him bareback and her horse was in front of him and I was actually petrified to, to all get up that he was going to run off with me. I was a slide off. He was going to try to kick me or bite me or something like he was going to get mad that I was took the audacity to sit upon him. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I fell hard for this horse, which is crazy. But I, you know, today, today, I mean, honestly, he saved my life. Like, I would never, I don't know. He's he's the coolest thing that's ever happened. Yeah, that's cool. So you say he saved your life. So why would you say that? Well, so one of the reasons why Merlin and I kind of ended up together was at the time that my friend Sarah got him, I was recovering from chemo because I had been diagnosed earlier that year with stage four breast cancer. And so... I kind of had a little extra time on my hands because I wasn't working and I was still in treatment and um, getting surgeries here and there to kind of help remove things that were growing out of place. And um, yeah, just that partnership and that connection with him just gave me something to kind of live for. And then when he started responding and really took to me and just made me feel like a human and I made him feel probably confident and more like a horse 
I honestly, I think if I didn't have that energy in my life, I don't think I would have, I don't know. I don't know if I would be here today. I don't know if my, my brain would have started fighting better or if my body wanted to fight, who knows? But I, I will say that I do believe that because Merlin entered into my life at the time of diagnosis that I am still here. Yeah, that's cool. It sounds like guys, you guys came together at the right time. Now, I understand, isn't he uh, a rescue horse at the same time? He is. He is. So he's a rescue. He was rescued by the woman that my friend bought him for uh, from. And we found him on Craigslist for sale for super cheap because she, you know, she already had horses and, and he was kind of like the extra. And, um, yeah, he had been what is referred to, I guess, as what I've been told, Buffalo Bill styled, where he was started hard and treated badly. Um, so he, when we got him, he was scared of anybody riding him. He was scared of buckets and rakes and poop forks and grooming. And these are things that most horses don't even blink an eye at. They, they you know, they'll they'll enjoy a good scratching and they'll enjoy brushing, being brushed out or having their area cleaned. But to Merlin, these were things that meant death to him. So somewhere along the line, he was either beaten or tied up. Or, I mean, he probably was beating because he has injuries along his spine and he's got mm. injuries, uh, muscle injuries, and he's got an area on his lower spine called kissing spine where the vertebrae has fused. Um, so we have to have a special saddle for that. And, but yeah, it's like you couldn't, you, we couldn't, for the first few months of even training him, you couldn't yell at him. You couldn't raise your voice. You couldn't get mad at him. So everything, so everything we had to do was, and then what it turned into just me doing was just you had to be super soft and gentle with them and convince them that everything that you were doing was a good idea and that we w weren't trying to kill him. Yeah, I imagine the, just the, the extensive work with him was uh, equally therapeutic for both of you at that point. Oh, it was great. It got me outside. It gave me, you know, it gave me something to do. It gave me. Um, since I'm a, I've been a, I'm a vet tech, I'm a board certified vet tech. So I work with small animals, you know, I do that every day and I do 50 hours a week and then to go to disability where I can't do anything really is kind of gave me a, a, a cool friend to work with in the animal world that, you know, made me feel whole and as a real human too. <laughs> That's cool. So let's talk about endurance racing a little bit. You just completed the Tevis Cup, but this wasn't your first rodeo, so to speak. You've been doing this for a little while now. Yeah, I've been at it now for four years or three and a half. Um, so I've got a few 50 mile rides under my belt, whether it's one day 50. And usually everything is in 24 hours. Um, Endurance rides aren't where you kind of go and camp and then continue going. It's it's a timed race that for the a lot of miles that you are going for, you have a certain amount of time to complete it in. And it's usually a loop that you go out and you ride beautiful trails and then you come back to the camp. Um, there's a couple that are a point to point where you start in one area and then you continue down to another area, which that's the Tevis Cup. Um, but most of the rides that we've done were through a company called uh, XP Endurance Rides, which is uh, connected with the endurance community, which is through AERC. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, all these were loops. So we would do 
in our first year, we started with uh, limited distance endurance miles, which are more just to kind of get your feet wet and to see if you actually like it, which is still 25 miles, and you have six hours to complete that. Um, and then we moved into 30-mile rides, which then you have seven and a half hours to complete. And then after a year of that, then we started doing multi-days where you would go for a Friday, Saturday, or a Saturday, Sunday, or a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And um, you would do consecutive days of mileage. And then last year, we started throwing in um, some 50s here and there. And then we just started doing 50s on the regular. And then we started doing multi-day 50s, which you would think you'd feel tired. But I guess, you know, it's kind of like learning how to run marathons or whitewater kayaking or mountain biking or anything. You just, your body gets used to it. Yeah. A matter of pacing yourself, I guess. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a complete, just a rush being out there in so much nature where half of these trails, you know, most endurance riders have CalStar insurance, which is the helicopter insurance. Mm -hmm. Cause you're in areas that most people like you can't get to sometimes by truck. So, you know, if something happens, a rider will come by and you're like, I need help. Call Cal, like, you know, and they'll ride to the next point and be like, um, we have a, we, we have a situation. We need a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But, have you been on, uh, in situations where you've come across people like that that have been, uh, needing to uh, lift out? There, there has been, there has been a couple of rides that I've been on where that's had to happen, but not, I mean, it's few and far between. It's not something that's on the regular. Most, what's cool about endurance riders, um, and I mean, every horse discipline has their things, but, um, Endurance riders really, 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 really love their horse. And I mean, these are people that are hours and hours and hours. I mean, everyone loves their horse. Every dis- I'm not saying that one's better than the other. Um, they're all just different. But endurance riders, they're crazy people that are out there in sneakers and their horse and miles and, and just, it's, they're crazy, but <laughs> they, they love what they do. They have a passion for the horses and for the endurance ride. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, so you know, they they know they know what they're getting into. So, you know, a lot of a lot of people that go out there are really prepared for anything to happen. Yeah, I'm sure. So, what are some of the the cooler things that you've you've been a part of or witnessed in in some of these races? I mean, your this was your 29th race, is that right? Yeah, it, it, yeah. I yeah, know so I just I looked that up recently. Um and they fly by. I had no idea that I did so many. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, the coolest things that I have seen. I mean, Tevis. I think that's that's been the that's definitely visually the granddaddy. Um, getting up to the top of Squaw at the top of uh, the Immigrant Pass, and being able to look over your shoulder to the left to Lake Tahoe, and then to the right just to absolute wilderness. That was. That was amazing. Just you're literally top of the world. And I mean, I know the skiers that go up to Squaw get to see that during the snow time. But seeing that just with your horse and knowing that you've just climbed, you know, you went up 2000 feet in a couple miles and now you're at 9000 and something feet. And you're like, oh, hey, this is this is breathtaking. And I'm I just did this with a horse that we just couldn't just sign up for this ride. We had to qualify for this. And this, this is spectacular. Um, not a lot of people get to, to see that one. And then just 
these trails. I mean, just going out on these single tracks and just seeing. I've been in Utah to uh, in the Red Canyon area where we literally rode the Thunder Mountain Trail on horseback. So that that roller coaster that's at Disney. Yeah. Um, we we were on what that is based after. Oh no, okay. I didn't and realize it was based on a trail. It's based on a trail. It's um it's based on the Thunder Mountain Trail. And it's out in Utah, and it's through hoodoos and red clay, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And to do that on horseback, and then be like, oh, wait a second, this is what people get to see at Disney. <laughs> and cool. we're seeing it for real. That is cool. I'll have to look that up. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've seen Grand Canyon and the North Rim. Um, I've been out in... The plains by the the uh, the fault, the San Andreas fault. I mean, it's just it, the endurance riding just gives you the opportunity to get out of the normal arena and just just get out there and and have that companionship with a horse that you know you can you can lease and borrow a horse, but most people have these horses that they have developed these miles and miles and miles with, so you know your partner and your partner knows you, and it's the coolest thing to be out there with you with them yeah i'm sure i don't quite get that from a motorcycle or a mountain bike you know <laughs> <laughs> they can't really they don't really talk back to you and give you the look like oh uh, hey you you you're kind of dumb up there uh, <laughs> this right. was a good idea when <laughs> that's funny yeah it's gotta be neat to be out there with another soul like that that you guys just have that connection you know obviously you can be out there with a human but it's a totally different thing you're probably not riding the human <laughs> yeah, not not probably, and you're not asking them to to trust you through all these mm-hmm. mysterious trails and smells, and you know there's mountain lions out there and bears, and you're you're like, oh no, really, it's a good idea, let's go. <laughs> yeah, right. So how are these? How do these trails work? Do you have a certain amount of of you have a, a amount of time to complete it, but you probably have stops that are mandatory, or can you go all the yeah. way through? Um. Uh, well. Uh. So. They have each ride has mandatory stops, um, like the Tevis Cup. Since you know we're talking about that, the Tevis Cup, since it's a hundred miles, they want to make sure that the health of the horse is priority. I mean, yeah, the you know you want to make sure the human takes care of themselves too, but overall, the whole ride is based on getting a horse a hundred miles sound, healthy, and at the end, um, fit to continue. So if you wanted to, you could keep going. Um, and that is, that is key for this, for all these rides. So for Tevis, you have to, when you get there, you have to orig- uh, initially vet in. So they, they look at your horse, they make sure that it's sound, that there, you know, there's no limping or anything, no swelling, no, no bad cuts, no accidents. They also look to make sure that your horse isn't too skinny. Um, you know, you think athletic horse, you, you don't want them to be big, but at, the same time you don't want them to be too skinny because you need the body to have something something to rely on when you're going through all these miles they also they listen to the heart they make sure that we come to um, a criteria a pulse criteria um, and they they will monitor you can monitor pain with a horse by if their heart rate skyrockets and um, so they they give you a certain amount of time when you come into each one of these checks to make sure that the pulse is dropped that the horse is happy, that the hydration is good, they check gum color, they they check everything that they would check with um, an ultra marathon runner. You know, make sure you're eating, drinking, 
Um, for horses, they'll also check gut sounds to make sure that um, a disease called colic isn't possibly happening where they can have problems with their internal internal digestive system that causes huge badness if anything goes sideways. Um, and then on Tevis, they do a check pretty much every 10 miles. Um, and they, they, you come in, they give you an in time. They, they say, Hey, the water and food's over here. You know, you have so much time to make it to the vet. Once you go to the vet, then you can continue, um, for 50 mile rides for like normal, the normal endurance rides. Um, usually you have a check every 15 and then sometimes at 25 miles or 30 miles where you have an hour hold and you and that time you have time to you know readjust all your tack your horse gets something to eat you go see the veterinarian and then they make sure that your horse is fit to continue so they look for any limping swelling cuts they listen to all the gut sounds Um, they make sure that the horse looks happy and alert and if they feel that at any time that you know there's something going wrong they they pull your horse and every endurance rider knows that if you get pulled it could be frustrating but it is overall for the better of your horse and you know everyone's like oh thank thank you for seeing that it's actually really it's really cool sport for that yeah it sounds like they operate it very uh, similarly to uh sled dog racing you know for the for the same reasons they're always checking on the on the dogs themselves and Mm-hmm. That's good because you know it's the it's the dogs that have to have to uh, yeah. to go through this. They're, we're we're the ones making them go do it. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, no. yeah, it's really it's really cool. It's something, and that's and that was one of the first things I noticed about the sport. Even before you know the beautiful trails and the being getting out and going longer and longer distances and seeing if we can do it. It was it was literally how much everyone cared about the horse. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So how is it, uh, you've been doing it for, like I said, 29 races now. So this whole time of recovery, um, you've been doing these endurance races. How has it been on you, uh, health-wise? Um, health-wise, you know, it's it's been good. It's Sometimes it's a little bit taxing. Um, I know for my first ride, I didn't know what I was getting into. And <laughs> I was, <laughs> you know, so your best friend tells you like, Hey, let's go for an endurance ride. It's going to be fun. And you're like, Oh, but what's that? Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's a, you, you have six hours to do 25 miles. And I'm like, well, that, that doesn't seem like a good, Oh, it's fine. You're, we're gonna have a great time. And, you know, I go out and I was still coming off of chemo. So most of my joints were inflamed and, you know, I was still just growing back hair and kind of, Kind of like, oh, hey, this is this is fun. <laughs> but honestly, I look at the pictures and I don't think I had like a bigger smile ever on my face. Um, and I know that I've had um, surgeries to surgery for my ovaries to be removed. I'm, I'm not allowed to have any estrogen for my cancer. So when I had that surgery, honestly the best thing was I got home and I'm like high on all the painkillers, but I go out and I go down to see the horse and I literally just set up a chair and I'm just sitting there with my horse and he's munching on grass. And I think the health, my health from this has just been like, yeah, you have your up and downs, but I don't focus on it. I don't pay attention to being sick or not feeling good. Or a lot of my medications kind of make, make my head spin. And I have, 
mood swings sometimes that are just gnarly. And, um, you know, when I can't talk to real humans, I'll go out and I'll ride the horse. And it brings me back to sanity more or less. And like Brian, when we are having, when we have hard times from all the treatments and whatnot, he'll be like, have you ridden the horse? Have you been on your horse (laughs) in the last couple of days? Go get on your horse. I think you haven't. Go, go ride your horse right now. That's funny. Um, like you have to go do 10 miles. If you don't do 10 miles, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that where now, now my friends know that, you know, if I'm not right, they'll be like, have you been on your horse and how's your health? How's your, Oh, the health is a little dodgy. I think you need to go ride your horse again. Just get your butt in that saddle and go outside. Yeah, I can, uh, I can completely relate. At least, at least it makes sense to me. You know, it's the same <laughs> thing, you know, I ride motorcycles. You know, if I have a stressful day, you know, just uh, 30 minutes or an hour on a motorcycle takes all that stress away. But you have this, this connection to this other being, this other soul that's got to make it so much deeper than what I experience, you know, just to get out mm-hmm. there and connect. And obviously, you know, Merlin probably loves, you know, you to swing by and, and take him out for, for an hour too. So you guys are both sharing that at the same time. It's got to be way more therapeutic than what I'm used to. <laughs> it, it definitely, you have to earn it with a horse. <laughs> like if they're not, they're not a motorcycle where it's like, Oh, I love you. Cause I'm not real, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I'm an object um, with a horse. You got to earn it. You, you know, like he knows if I'm trying to cut corners and he'll he'll let me know real quick he'll he'll let me know that i you know i didn't brush him out or if i you know was skimping on our normal routines and um he keeps you honest and i love that honestness and you know i don't even know if that's a word but uh it it's it works um it's just it's awesome to have i don't know just that that back and forth between us saying it's something that i wish I could just like bottle up and give to people and be like, no, no, this, this is cool. Like, this is great. You go out and do something, you know, if it's not horseback riding, it's like, you know, go ride your motorcycle. Like, enjoy that cool. Like, I don't know. It's, it's neat. There's no words for it. It's something that, and like I said, it's, it, that I believe is what keeps me alive. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So why do you think Merlin took to you? He had a, a pretty rough life before he met you and was, was able to, to um, basically coalesce with you to, to become a pair. So what do you think was, was going on inside his head? I think, honestly, I, I, you know, I think about that every so often. And especially whenever I'm kind of like blown away that I'm riding a horse and doing endurance miles. Um, I think what it was for him was I was the first person probably in his life that wasn't a horse person. Like he didn't, they didn't have the expectation. I, I didn't have the expectations of anything with him. I didn't know anything horse. I didn't know how to train a horse. I didn't know how to lunge a horse. Uh, there's a thing called timing in the horse world that your horse will kind of like do a little something to test you and you have to have the timing to stop him and tell him like, no, you got to come back this way. Um, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't have any of that. So for him, it might be, it might've been something really different and questioned his brain on, Hey, I might actually be able to touch or trust this human because she's not asking me in a way most of my trainers have asked me to do something. Um, and one of the things that I do know now is he loves beginners. 
he loves children. He he um was uh my demo horse for I did a, a horsemanship class for the Boy Scouts and the Cub Scouts. And he was he was the demo horse and they you know at first everyone's like, "Well, he's a rescue. Is he going to be safe?" And I'm like, "They don't know anything. He loves people who just want to be loved by him." Like that's his that's his new favorite game is anyone who doesn't know what they're talking about. Whereas if I have a cocky trainer that wants to ride him and really experience the, the gated horse, he's a total doofus or just nasty to them. He knows <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, and he's he's been trained. Like he's got stuff in his back pocket that I am still learning. I you know, I'm learning how to ride and I'm learning lessons and how to ask for certain horse moves and horse disciplines and horse ideas and and um, I'll watch him with people that have been doing this since they were, you know, babies. And he he knows he knows a lot. He knows a lot of disciplines. He knows he loves cows. He loves you know. I know he knows how to do dressage and English way of riding. He knows Western riding. But if you are cocky with him, he he'll he'll put you in your place in a way. And it's kind of like, and then he'll come back to the you know, me, the beginner or anyone else. And he's like, Oh, Hey, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> They're so um, smart. You know, you, uh, you look into some animals eyes and you know, there's a lot going on in, inside and in some of those, when you look in a, in a horse's eyes, there's definitely a, a lot of complexity there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell they're thinking. And that's one thing with Merlin that was, I guess what really drew me to him too. In the beginning is when you looked in his eyes, when we first brought him to the ranch, where we lived in um, Santa Barbara, his eyes were dead. He was, he had just, you could tell that he'd given up on a lot of things, horse. Um, he'd given up being happy. He'd given up on trusting. It was just, it was just dark. It was, there wasn't any light or excitement. He was, you know, he'd eat, he'd stand there, he'd freak out, and he'd stand there. And, um, Oh, you know, over the first couple of months with him, like giving, bringing him a daily carrot and a daily apple every day, you know, you could see that that light started to come back for him. And now when you look into his eyes, you see the trail, you see that excitement of like, aha, we're doing things. Yeah. I have my life back. I have something to live for. That's great. Uh huh. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about kind of the, the logistics of the endurance racing. But before we do that, um, I wanted to give you some time. I know you had some help from the community and some sponsors to uh, to do some of these races in the Tevis Cup. So who is it you would like to thank for helping and contributing to, to your and Merlin's oh. races? Oh, my gosh. So first off, I would love to thank for Tevis, um, Pegasus Estate and Winery. Um, they are, were, are my, like our main sponsors. Um, it's actually the property where we live right now. Um, we live in Santa Inez, uh, California, and we live on their property where, um, I do, I'm learning how to train and do nutrition for more than just one horse now. And, um, they, they really loved our story and they work with rescues. And so, uh, Peg Crowley was the main my main main woman and she she got behind us and helped pay for our entry and get us our belt buckle and helped me with the nutrition for Merlin and um, her other company pro rich nutrition 
also huge sponsor for us. Um, and then in our local community, um, the fishbone community where Brian and I met and just friends and more friends and friends of friends and the endurance community. Um, when I first got Merlin, I, they, well, when I first got sick, my art community did a fundraiser for me to be able to pay for, uh, bills, medical bills, um, to be able to do a little traveling and just kind of like be a human while sick. And then um, after that, when I got Merlin, I reached back out to the community to help get an orthopedic saddle for him so we would be able to do our riding because he's got a lot of different injuries, old injuries, nothing new, but just things that, you know, you need special equipment for, special, you know, runners need special running shoes, um, bikers need special bikes for their 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 thing and uh, we needed a special a specialized saddle for his spine and because our community was like oh yeah like every everybody just just so much support and it was just it was crazy to just feel so much love and so many people out there and then with peg with uh, pegasus um all the love just to you know to to have us do our dream um, I don't know if we would have been able to do Tevis without the help. And I, I, I get all teary all the time when it just, I'm just like, Oh my God, this actually happened. Yeah. But, that's but cool. Yeah. What an opportunity that they, they've given you. And for Merlin to, uh, to be able to live you know, with you on the mm-hmm. same property has got to be uh, extremely beneficial to him as well. Oh, it's, it's so awesome. I literally, I look out cause I live on the RV on the property, which is, yeah, you think RV tiny? No, this is nice. Um, <laughs> I love it. It's it's cute. It's compact. I can have all my pets. Um, and then I walk out the door, and Merlin's right there. And he, you know, he can nicker to me. And um, he's trained. Like I have him trained now, where he stays with me, so he can kind of like have some extra snacks and some wandering. He helps me do the night checks. I go around and I make sure all the horses at night are doing doing okay and get their evening snacks and treats and things. And, um, he can come with, like, he works with me. He'll literally help me out with all the work. And it's, it's such a cool opportunity. That is cool. Were you also telling me about, um, a organization called first descents that you've been working with a little bit too? Tell me about that. Yeah. So first descents is a kick and uh, nonprofit that is based out of Denver, Colorado. And it is a, group that helps people uh, kids with with cancer um, get out and live get out and do something amazing um, and not have to think about their disease and as someone with cancer you don't you don't got a lot of money um, because you're constantly you know either going on disability or you're paying for huge medical bills and you're always in debt right and um, you know you can, you can only ask family so much Um <laughs> And this, this group will send you somewhere in the United States to go either whitewater kayaking or rock climbing or ice climbing or surfing or, um, they say rock climbing and that it, it was, it, but they, it, you can go for free. And, um, I got to go on a trip in Montana and go whitewater kayaking last summer and meet, a bunch of people just like me that are living with cancer, but you know, we're not, we're not dying. We're out living and their motto is outliving it. So 
after that, I've been doing my endurance stuff and talking about the first ascents. And um, this year, because I kind of wanted a, a block of time, so I just did Tevis, and now I'm starting a fundraise my my fundraiser page that's set up through the First Descents program, and um, through their website you can go on and, and locate Laura Werab, and you'll find my page and my story. And when you donate money, all that money goes back to them, so they can send another kid with or you know a young adult with cancer to one of these programs. Um, so all everything that I'm doing for them, it goes back to them. And, uh, the base is, uh, $2,500 to, to send is what they say on average costs, uh, send someone airfare, uh, food, travel expense, being picked up everything. Like when you get granted one of these, um, one of these trips, they take care of you. And it's not just, you're in like this kind of creepy little dorm and you get to go whitewater kayaking. No, they, it's like a resort spa and they have gourmet chefs that they bring in and you eat, you are a queen and a king for a week. And it's, and you just, you feel so much love and so much gratitude and just, and you, you're outliving it. And so you come back and you're like, I'm like, I'm outliving it and let's go live. So, and for me, the endurance riding is like, you know what world I'm living it. I'm going out. I'm going to do these hundred miles and, you know, I don't care if I could die next year or, you know, get sick or need treatment or have surgery. And, you know, that's that's second. That's not something that will con- that, that, you know, yeah, that, that's a thing. But it's not it's not the thing. It's not what rules my life. And a lot of these people that I met, they have the same philosophy. And then we all get to be together and then now turn around and try, you know, show this to someone else. Yeah, that is cool. Well, it sounds like an amazing group. I'll have to uh, to look them up and maybe get one of their people on the show too. I love getting those stories out there about groups like that. So thanks oh, for sharing that. that. Would, yeah, that would be that would be amazing to listen to uh, some like some one of the one of the main people's stories because the the adventures that they go on, like the adventures that that you can make up and just do. It's it's wild what like what the, the Outliving It program people have been doing. Cool. Very cool. We'll make sure we get their website as well as uh, everybody else's, the Tevis Cup, as well as uh, Pegas Winery and Pro Rich Nutrition and First Descents up on the site on your post for sure. Let's talk about um, a little bit more of the logistics of of a horse endurance race. Um, for somebody that just doesn't know horses all that well, I yeah, you imagine an endurance race, you know, the horse is running down some form of dirt trail you know but obviously there's more to it than that so i mean are these trails with people and other uh you know adventures on it are they somewhat closed off i mean what kind of what kind of the trails are you dealing with here is this like single track or open terrain or uh all of the above um so there's there's uh different rides that that are more out into the wilderness so i pick i pick the ones that are that are out there that are more single track and you don't see people for 20 miles until you come back to a vet check, um, or to base camp. And, um, some of the rides are, you know, are more on dirt roads. There's a ride that takes place up in the redwoods. There's rides in Montana. That's it's, I don't know. None of them are really within neighborhoods or anything like that. You're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, 
some are technical footing, some are easy, easy trails, some are harder trails. Um, some of them will require that the horses have hoof protection because there's so many rocks or unknowns out there. Uh, some, you know, you don't need as much protection. You don't need the skill, the, the horse to have the skill level to kind of get through the terrain. That's a little bit more tricky. Um, some are in sand. There's a ride in, uh, Montaña de Oro, California, uh, San Luis Obispo area. And you, half of it is in the mountains. Half of it is in the sand dunes of Pismo beach. And, uh, Another part of it, you're like on the cliffs, just overlooking the ocean, and it's like tall grass. And it's just, it's it's wild being able to kind of do all this. Yeah, it's got to be an amazing experience to be out there in all the varied terrain and there with mm -hmm. your horse for that. What would you say is the, the most difficult or the toughest part of doing one of these endurance races? Uh, you know, the, I would say the most difficult and toughest part is making sure you're ready for it the training mm. um you can't like it, you just can't go out with an everyday horse to go do one of these things um you have to really do long so what they recommend is is kind of a motto for the beginners is uh, long slow distance or long slow distances um, and you just, you're out there with your horse and you're walking and you're building up their tendons and you're building up their leg muscles and their feet, um, getting them stronger in their feet, stronger in their shoulders. And then knowing when to, to speed up and go faster or increase the miles or, you know, teaching your horse to cross water or teaching them to, to how to do this, all these terrains, um, being brave enough to go out on these trails alone. Um, for Tevis, I had to go out and learn how to ride at night. So I would, instead of, you know, start in the morning and go for a horseback ride, I would start at sunset and I would time it with the moon and go out into canopies and, uh, climb mountains and go out into trails that you just, you don't do with the horse normally. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's, and it's, it's breathtaking, like to have that confidence and, but I would say that the hardest part of endurance is actually the training and, you know, really getting braver to, to ride these kind of rides. Like the easy part is, is, um, getting to the race. <laughs> it's the, it's the getting, like, just the, all the training that goes with it and the discipline, the self-discipline to, to feel, to feel the confidence to actually get out there and do it. Yeah, I can see that. But I mean, the way you describe it, it just sounds like an amazing experience to get out there with, with Merlin and ride at night you know, under the canopy of trees and moonlight. I mean, come on. It doesn't get any better oh, than that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to complain. I mean, if <laughs> I, I highly recommend it. Like, you know, horses, horses can see at night. If you're a ho like, if anyone out there is listening and they're a horseback rider and you have areas where you could ride to a full moon, and you're afraid your horse can't see very well at night, it's totally untrue. <laughs> they see better than you do. And honestly, all the riding at night that I've done with Merlin, I swear he trips less. His, you know, he has more confidence. It's, it's just, it's, it's so, oh, I don't know. It's, I mean, you just, you just, you have to just let go and just having, letting that go and looking up at the stars and, and not having to like, feel it you have to control them on the trail i mean that is that's epic 
Yeah. It's absolutely epic. It's like a magic carpet ride because you, you're just going. <laughs> and you can't really see the ground because you, you know, us as people, our night vision is not is not what a horse has. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's going to be a blast. Well, I want to leave off with some words of encouragement or inspiration for those that might have medical issues and, and out there thinking that maybe they they can't be out doing this kind of thing. But before we do that, um, I want to give you credit for finishing the, the Tevis Cup because 52% or, you know, that's the, the completion rate, you know, that you guys had something like 165 uh, racers in this thing and, and only half of them finished. So how did you do? Yeah. Uh, we, we placed a set, a 72nd. Um, and we did it in 23 hours and something minutes, and it was spectacular. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I went, you know, you can't, from people who had done it before, they tell you don't focus on the end. Um, and that, you know, and honestly, I'll use that as my words of wisdom out there to everybody as well. It's like, don't focus on the end game. You know, focus on each hurdle in front of you. And that's what we did at Tevis. We focused on, you know, the 13-mile mark and then the 20-mile mark and then the 36-mile mark and then the 45-mile mark and then the 64-mile <laughs> mark and then the 80-something-mile mark. And then, you know, Lower Cory is the last check before the finish line. And that's the 90-something blah-blah-blah-mile mark. And... When we came in there, we were so silly and happy, or at least I was. Merlin was just like, dude, she's crazy up there. Get the monkey off my back. Um, she's <laughs> singing, and I don't even know what's going on. She's going loopy. Um, I've gone loopy. But I come into this check, and, you know, people, you know, you get so serious, but you you just you just got to just have fun with it and be silly. And... You know, when I got through that and they're like, oh, my God, you are literally the crazy happy person that we haven't seen in hours. This is so great. It was it was fantastic. And then they're like, go ahead. You go to the finish. You have six more miles. And hearing that was. Oh, it was I it was unbelievable. But at the same time, um, when I finished a friend of mine who was on my crew on my team to help help me and Merlin through it, uh, she's like, you know. We never had a plan for you not to finish. Like we never had the 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 just in case plan. Like it was always it was always something. And she's like, you know, we were also just one stop at a time, and it was it was just epic. Oh, like, that's cool. I, <laughs> well, it, it says something about you and Merlin that that's that's how they saw it. It was like, well, this is probably not even an option we need to consider because these two are going to get through this, and this is uh, this is a pretty serious endurance race. I mean, this is no no easy thing that you guys did. No, this is top one of the top five usually on people's bucket lists of endurance. Um, like this, people come from all over the world to do the Tevis Cup. It's it's a very prestigious ride that. You know, I met a guy that's tried nine times and he still hasn't completed. Really? Um, yeah. And I've met another rider who tried seven times and completed once. I mean, these, these are, you know, and then you meet the people who have completed a lot of times. Um, and they've been doing it all their life. Like they're in their sixties and seventies and they've been riding, you know, since the fifties when the race started and it's, or, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. 
Well, Laura, I'm sure that you have inspired a, a good handful of people out there that are uh, <laughs> you know, dealing with their own issues. And uh, you've basically just, just described and explained and demonstrated that, you know, just you just got to have to put that on the back burner and get out there and do some of this stuff and enjoy life and take it one step at a time, like you said. Yeah, no, uh, you know, getting diagnosed with any kind of health problem is not is not the end. It's, it's, you know, it's an opportunity to kind of, you know, show yourself how strong you really are. And I mean, yeah, there's pain and there's, there's, there's hospitals and there's all that, but you know, honestly, it's, it's literally, it, it's just, it's just a thing. It's not, it's not you. It's not what defines you. And that's, that's what I, I hang on to. And that's what I, you know, that's what I'll live with every day. And I, and I enjoy it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's obvious that you do. So, Laura, thanks so much for coming on and, and providing that inspiration and sharing the, the story about Merlin and the, the Tevis Cup. And I have to say, I honestly think Merlin is uh, is a much better horse, much better off for having you in his life. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, cool. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And I think I'm a better person because of Merlin, too. <laughs> Even though four years ago, I would have been like, I hate horses. <laughs> I think you were meant to meet Merlin. He was meant to meet you. So, all right, good deal. Well, you take care. Thanks for sharing your stories. All right, thank you. Talk right. to you later. Bye. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes. Share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventure sports podcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>